Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's recording of Redeemer Church of Knoxville's Sunday Sermon. We're really glad to have you with us because we know that there are a million different podcasts that you could be listening to right now. So we're thankful that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us. We hope that this recording will be an encouragement to you and that God, by his spirit, will use his word to remind you of Jesus' love. If you would like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. To do that, please email us at office at redeemerknoxville.org. We also want to give a quick thank you shout out to Evie Andrus and Parker Green, who you hear playing our awesome intro and outro music here each week. Lastly, if you'd like to support Redeemer and her mission to Urban and University Knoxville, please visit www.redeemerknoxville.org and look for the little give button in the top right corner. Thank you so much, and here is this week's sermon. Well, if you have a Bible and you would like to follow along with me, you can do so by turning to Luke chapter 1. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 46 through uh, 56 of chapter 1. You can follow along with me in your own Bible, the Bible that's provided for you here, the, the bulletin that's been provided in your hand, or on the internet, Zoom machine thing, whatever. Uh, you can follow along if you'd like to do that. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, thanks for coming. My name's Sean Slate. I'm the pastor here, and we are so glad to have you with us this morning because we know that you could be doing a million things. Uh, for instance, if you haven't been to the Knoxville Zoo Lights, uh, they're pretty amazing. They're a lot of fun. Uh, you could be at home sort of refreshing your EPL Fantasy League to see kind of how your team is doing. I mean, the Spurs and Crystal Palace are playing right now. And that's a pretty big match. And I believe Sun has an assist to Kane for a goal, which is fantastic. That's about 20 points for me, which I'm really excited about. Or uh, you can be at home just sort of spinning your new red yo-yo from Redeemer uh, because you're in quarantine, uh, but you're not doing those things right now. You're here, you're joining us, whether here in person or whether you're at home, we're really glad you're here. And there really is no better thing you could do with your time than worship Jesus and consider his claims upon your life, and to think about the beauty of his incarnation. So I really am thankful that you're here. Welcome to Redeemer. What is Redeemer? Well, Redeemer is a church. And what that means is that we're a community of people who are trying to learn how to love God, and we're trying to learn how to love our neighbor. And fundamentally, what we believe is that Jesus is God, he's the Messiah, and he's entered into the world to die for our sins and to reveal the love of the Father. And so every week as his people, we gather together uh, to learn to worship him so that we might rest in the love that God has for us in Jesus. And as we rest in the love that he has for us, we then become a people who delight to gather together in community. And so we sit around fire pits and on porches and on the Zoom box, and we read the Bible together and we pray together, all to remind each other of the great love that God has for us in Jesus. And so as we rest in his love and as we remind each other of his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in service so that together we might reflect the love of God to our family and to our friends and to our neighbors who are here in Urban and University in Knoxville, and hopefully in some way it would spill out into the entire world, right? That's who our people who are trying to learn how to love God, who are trying to learn how to love our neighbor as we rest, as we remind, and as we reflect. And so to help us do that during this Advent season, we've begun a new series that we've entitled Repeat the Sounding Joy. And we're looking at those songs of preparation in Luke chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 2. And so a couple weeks ago, our friend Josh McQuaid uh, taught us how to sing of the hope that we have in Jesus. Last week, I hope that many of us learned to sing of the joy that we have in Jesus. And this week, what I want us to learn to sing is about God's faithfulness to us in Jesus. All right, so with that in mind, let's look together. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 
56. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Would you pray with me now for the teaching? Heavenly Father, we are thankful uh, for this, your word, that you are faithful to reveal yourself to us and not to abandon us to ourselves and to our own thoughts of you. And there are so many voices that are screaming and yelling for our attention. And there are so many voices that we are trying to sift through and we are a tired people. And so we do pray that your spirit through your word would be loud in our hearts and would fill us that our souls like Mary's might magnify you. And so we do ask that as we, um, as we attend unto your word, uh, that you and your kindness and your faithfulness and in your mercy and your goodness and in your truth, you would attend unto us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we are in the third week of Advent, and so I'd assume that by now all of us have watched uh, Elf, maybe two or three, maybe four or five uh, times. And as we know, and as Josh told us, uh, Buddy the Elf has taught us that the best way to spread the Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, right? And one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when Buddy begins to sing. And you'll remember that he's just found out that Zoe knows how to sing, and she's got this beautiful voice, and he's trying to convince her to sing in public. And she says to him, you know, there's a difference between singing by yourself and singing in front of people. And Buddy says, no, there's not. And there he stands up in the midst of Gimmel's, and he starts to sing, I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing, I'm in a store singing, right? And it's a silly scene, and I love it, because there he is in the middle of Gimmel's, like spreading all this Christmas cheer as he sings. And what's he singing about? He's singing about singing uh, in a store, singing singing in a store. And, uh, and it just made me think, like, what is it that we as Christians are singing about at Christmas? There are so many Christmas songs out there, so many Christmas albums, but what is it that we are truly singing about? And I think that this is important because it is easy for us to think about Christmas and sing about Christmas and these warm feelings and to sing about family and peace on earth and goodwill towards men and charity and love and presents and chestnuts roasting on an open fire and reindeers nibbling on your nose. Um, it's really not the carol, but anyway. But, uh, but, uh, but as we sing about these things, these are really good things. They're really beautiful things. But they are really just the fruit of Christmas. They are not Christmas. They are the result of Christmas. They are not the thing that actually warms 
our hearts. And this is important because the reason why Christmas actually warms our hearts is because Christmas isn't really about our hearts. Christmas is most fundamentally about God's heart. Christmas is about God's loving, faithful heart breaking into the history of this world in the person of his son, Jesus. Christmas is about God breaking into history in order to prove his love and to melt our cold, dark, and distant hearts. And I think that this is really important for us to remember because if Christmas is just about singing ourselves into feeling something, uh, we'll feel something until December 27th. Uh, But we will never truly sing from the depth of our bones. And those feelings will never truly last. But if Christmas is about God's eternal unending love breaking into the world in the person of Jesus, then our hearts will be changed. And our hearts will be warmed and out of the overflow of God's love for us we will begin to sing. And this is what's happening to Mary in her song in verse 46. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. You see it again in verse 47. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And you see that she's singing from her soul. She's singing from her spirit. This means that she's singing from the depth of her being. And what is it that she is singing about? Well, she's singing about God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. And then she tells us why. You see this repetition of the fours that run from 48 down. It's like four, because. Verse 48, for he. Verse 49, for he. Verse 50, his mercy. Verse 51, he has shown. Verse 52, he has brought. Verse 53, he has filled. Verse 54, he has helped. And she concludes by saying, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And what I want you to see here is that she is singing from the depths of her being because God remembers. She is singing because God does not forget. She is singing because God is doing what he has promised to do. In a sense, what she is doing is she is singing because God is faithful. She is singing because God is faithful. And that's what I want us to learn to sing about this morning, that God is faithful. Would you say that with me? God is faithful. And that's the point of Christmas, that God is faithful to his promises. You see at verse 54, 55, she rejoices because God has kept his promise to Abraham and to his offspring. And so the question is, what is that promise that God had made to Abraham and to his offspring? The promise that God had made to Abraham was that God would be his God. And that Abraham and his family would be the family of God. And that through Abraham's family, that family would be a blessing to the nations. But when God made that promise to Abraham, there's something really interesting about Abraham. And here's what it is. Abraham didn't have any children. And so God has said, through your offspring, I will bless the nations. And Abraham's like, we don't have any kids. 
We don't have any offspring. How would this be? And God says, look up into heaven. He says, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so as Mary is singing, she is singing because she recognizes that through the child that is in her womb, God has not forgotten his promise to Abraham. And that through the child that is in her womb, God will bless the nations. And through the child that is in her womb, God will secure his family. And this is one of the things that begins to warm our hearts, that that Christmas is the assurance from God to us that God keeps his promises. That he will bless the world. That that the nations will come to him. Right? That all of God's enemies will be defeated. And so Mary begins to sing because this child is the child of that promise. And all who will come to her child by faith become those stars and that sand on the seashore that God had promised to Abraham. And what I want you to see here is that Christmas is telling us that everything uh, that God has been doing in the world is to fulfill his promise, to bless the nations and to secure his family. And what this means is that Mary is one of those stars. She's one of those sands on the seashore. And what it means that by faith in Jesus, you too are one of those stars and you too are one of those grains of sand that God had promised And as God's people together throughout time and space, we are now that multicultural, innumerable, immeasurable, covenantal promise that God had made to Abraham. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? That God is doing what he had promised. And that's the point of Christmas, that God is faithful to his promises and God wants to have a huge family. And think about what's going on at Christmas. The the Son of God is becoming a human being so that sinful human beings might become children of the living God. And this is not only the point of Christmas, it is actually the point of all of human history that God will keep his promise to bless the nations and to secure his family. And that's what God has been up to from beginning to end. If you, you think of the very beginning, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. He made Adam, and Adam was the son of God. And to his son, he gave a bride. He gave Eve. And what did he say to Adam and Eve? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What God wanted for his son Adam was to have a wife and to fill the earth with their children so that there would be image bearers of God filling the earth, making him known, blessing the world that he had created. Like on page two of the Bible, uh, we see that they have turned away from their father and God continues his promises, and they continue in Noah, they continue on to Abraham, and he says to Abraham, right, like, I'm your God, you're my people, you're my children, and from your family, all the earth uh, will be blessed, and you will fill the world, and you will be a blessing to the nations on my behalf. And even if you continue reading through the Bible all the way to the very end, we get to the book of Revelation, and in the book of Revelation, We see the resurrected, glorified Jesus. 
and the father is giving the bride, the church, to his son. And who's there at that wedding? All the nations. All the nations are invited in Revelation chapter 19. And all the nations enjoy the blessing of the table of their union. And all the nations enjoy the safety and the security and the joy of the presence of the Father. And Mary is singing because this child that is in her womb is the fulfillment of that promise. That promise that had been made 2,000 years before she'd even been born. And Mary begins to sing this song. And as she sings, she sings not from a position of power and fame and riches, but she sings from her humble position. Singing out of her hunger and her poverty, out of ridicule and weakness, out of oppression and neglect. And she sings not for only for herself, but she sings for the entire nation of Israel who was lost and barren under the oppression of, the, of, of Rome. And all those promises that God had made back in the past, they seem so long ago. And they seem forgotten. And as Mary contemplates the child in her womb, she begins to sing, My soul magnifies the Lord, right? My soul magnifies the Lord. Why? Because God is faithful. My soul magnifies the Lord because God is faithful. Would you say that with me? God is faithful. And I want you to notice that this blessing to the nations uh, is going to be this great reversal of the way of the world. I mean, think about it. The way of the world is the way of riches and the way of power and the way of reputation. And is it not true that we tend to think the more we have, the more we're blessed? But is it also not the case that often it is our riches and our power and our reputation that are the things that keep us from singing and rejoicing in God? Why would we ever sing of God if we never think about God? Why would we ever sing about God if we never need Him? Why would we ever sing about God if we never draw near to Him? Why would we ever sing to God if we never look to Him? And it seems to me that many of us are so filled with the things and the concerns of this world that there's no room for us to look to Jesus for him to fill us, so that out of him we might rejoice. And I think for many of us, if we're honest, we would say, I will rejoice if God. Right? I will rejoice if God gives me the power. I will rejoice in God if he gives me riches. I will rejoice if he gives me the reputation that I want. And I think that this is very important for us to consider because it seems to me that many of us feel like the whole Christian life is to get your life worked out so that you never need him. So that you never have to look to him. So that you never have to desire him. And so we spend our lives trying to accumulate power and riches and think, then I'll be happy. But that has been the case for almost no one in the history of the world. 
And this is why I think many of us are surprised when we spend time with the poor and the powerless. And we come back from those interactions and we think, how could they be so happy when they have so little? And maybe the reason they're happy is because they actually have Jesus. And in having Jesus, they recognize that they have everything. And maybe all those things that we think we need and all those things we spend our life accumulating, maybe, some of the, maybe those are some of the things that actually keep us from rejoicing in the very one who promises to fill us with his great joy. But here's the deal. Uh, Christians throughout history have always sung out of their poverty. Christians have always sung out of their weakness. Christians have always sung out of our need. And the reason we sing out of our need and the reason we rejoice in God in the midst of our need is because that is where God loves to meet us. God loves to meet us where we have nothing. God loves to meet us in our need. And this is different from the way of the world because the world uh, tends to leave the poor for the rich. It tends to leave the needy for those who have plenty. It tends to leave the weak for the strong. And one of the reasons that Christmas warms our hearts is because we have a God who left heaven. I want you to think about that for a second. Our God, the creator of heaven and earth, the most powerful being, <laughs> left the most glorious, most extravagant, most beautiful place. Our God left the glories of heaven. He left the place of greatest wealth. He left the place of greatest beauty. He humbled himself. Why? In order to be with us. That's what begins to warm our hearts, that we have a God who does not abandon us in our need, but delights to draw near to us in order to remain faithful to us. You see, God is faithful. God is faithful. Would you say that with me? God is faithful. And his faithfulness, as you look at the text, it moves from this grand promise, this grand eternal promise, to this great reversal of the way of the world. And then what I want you to see is that it then focuses in and God's faithfulness becomes personal. God's faithfulness rests upon us. Notice verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. Then verse 49, he has done great things for me. He has done great things for me. Right? This is what begins to move our heart to sing. That God has actually been faithful to me. That God has not forgotten me. He's not neglected me. He's not abandoned me. But what has God done? He has done great things for me. And notice that she sings, verse 46, that God is my Savior. And this is important, right? Because God is not merely our teacher. He's not just a guide. He's not just an example. He is our Savior. And He's not merely the Savior of the world, which He is, 
but he is also my Savior. And what this means is that when I am weak, he is my strength. When, when I am empty, he makes me full. Right? When I am in need, he is my help. When I am lost, he comes to find me. When I have nothing, he is my everything. But the salvation that Mary is singing of even goes deeper than that. Because this salvation that Mary is singing of, you, you probably remember that in the Gospel of Matthew, the angel visits Joseph. And when the angel visits Joseph, the angel says to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. And do you remember why? He says, you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He is the savior of our sins. And I think that this is very important for us because if we're honest, we not only need to be saved from the sorrows of this world, we do. We not only need to be saved from the sins of our enemies, we do. But we also need to be saved from ourselves and from our sin. Because we too, if we're honest, we've turned away from God, just like our enemies have. We've neglected his love. We've neglected his word. We've tried to save ourselves and go our own way. And in doing these things, we've hurt people. We've hurt ourselves, and most importantly, we've actually hurt God. And in the same way that, that when we offend a friend, we find ourselves often hiding from them and avoiding them. We treat God in that way. We know we've offended Him. We spend so much time avoiding and hiding from Him, trying to live our lives on our own apart from Him. And the song of Christmas that warms our heart is that God is so faithful to his people, even in the midst of their sin, that he would draw near. That he would take on flesh and blood just like us. That he would come and he would live among us. That he would bear the wrath of God for us. That he would die for us. That he would be resurrected for us. That he would ascend into heaven and rule and reign over all things for us. And that he will return for us. And he does all of this in order to be the Savior for us. That's the point of Christmas, that God is faithful to us. And that's the point of this table, that God is faithful, right? God is faithful. Would you say that with me? God is faithful. But how do we know that? How do we know that God is faithful? Well, this table is a reminder to you and to me that God is faithful. And how has he shown himself to be faithful? He took on flesh and blood. And then he gave his flesh and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And what we see at the table here is that the child of God became a man so that men and women might become children of the living God, right? That's the point of this meal, that our God is faithful. And that's what warms our hearts and teaches us to sing that God has been faithful to those eternal promises and that God is faithful to reverse the ways of the world,
and that God has been faithful to his children. God is faithful. Would you say that with me one last time? God is faithful. Therefore, I invite you to please rise and to lift up your hearts.